0: I don't care what the animals are doing well this week we've got two-thirds of Pomola Creative we've got Chris Shane and Jamie Walter they're here in town we finally are starting our Beyond Tux project which is very exciting it's been a couple years in the in the works trying to make this happen trying to get a, a sponsor someone that also wants this to happen and it takes a lot of a lot of work for these projects to get off the ground. I don't think people realize it, but if you have this accountability where someone's giving you money, writing checks, then you got to start producing. And here we are, mid January, back half of January, actually. And it's about that time. I've known Jamie and Chris for a few years now. Uh, I met Chris in Baxter State Park or Jamie first?
1: No, you no, met I Chris. Met, I met
0: all right, so I met Chris first in the parking lot, Baxter State Park, off the Golden Road there, A-Ball Bridge. And I met Jamie Pinkham. Was that her first? Yeah, Yeah. Touring Tuckerman Ravine. Anyway, these guys are phenomenal photographers, and they've started a creative agency business. I don't know what you guys do. A little bit of everything, but photographers turn into videographers or whatever whatever they need to do, they can do it. They had a really cool project I'd like to talk about this summer. Um, dark skies of Maine for Maine tourism so that that was um sort of a launching pad for you guys but anyways welcome thank you uh, welcome to the farmhouse um yeah so let's talk about we'll start with Jamie what's your background um quick quick background in skiing and then photography
1: yeah totally so my name is Jamie Walter I'm a ski photographer from Maine. I grew up uh, skiing at Sugarloaf and eventually got a job there in my early 20s. Worked in marketing for a few years, shooting photos, running social media. Uh, In 2016, I was able to leave my full-time job and go into full-time freelance as photography. And then Chris and I started Pomola Creative in 2018. Yeah, And uh, have been running with Pomola Creative and juggling freelance photography as well so my background is in ski photography uh especially on the east coast uh love doing justice to where i'm from yeah where and hold on where have people seen your images uh uh like my social media or like my published. where
0: have you right. brag
1: a little bit all right all right um i've been published in powder magazine i've had a feature in backcountry magazine on our katahdin trip from two years ago uh free skier down east uh yeah a lot of other places steo uh steo apparel out of jackson wyoming is a sponsor of mine and i do a lot of work for their catalogs um amalgam skis etc cetera, etc cetera. so a lot of east coast and national brands that i get to work with and uh very fortunate to be here today working on a new project and just
0: quickly your ski background how, how would you identify with your skiing
1: uh, I am a former park rat turned backcountry skier, uh, I'd suppose, and resort bum when I need to be. Perfect. And Chris? That's a
2: lot to follow up on. Um, yeah, I'm Chris Shane, and uh, I'm also a photographer and uh, turned filmmaker with Jamie, is my partner, and um, got my start um, as a photographer about three years ago, um, quit my job at 27 or 26, and... Um, and kind of just been a crazy ride ever since. Um, Background in the outdoors was um, mainly mountaineering and and sort of kind of alpine running and that kind of thing, Um, and trying to turn into a backcountry skier, kind of a fake skier at this point, pretty solid on the uphill, but uh, it's a little faulty on the downhill still, but we'll get there. Um, But yeah, and uh, I've been able to work with some brands like Merrill, Got to do a few really cool expeditions that got my career started. Um, traveling to Oman and Kenya, working with some of their athletes uh, on some really cool projects, and um, you know, kind of transitioned to focusing a little bit more here in New Hampshire and in Maine and New England with Pomo Creative, and we're sort of starting to kind of try to showcase all the awesome outdoor stuff that that we have here in New England that you know we kind of always come back to. We can you know leave and go travel all over the world, but. There's sort of just a special thing that kind of lives here in New England. And so we're kind of really starting to focus on on this area. And, and we're super excited to,
1: to show everybody kind of you know, all the awesome things we can do here. Yeah, there's just as much world-class potential here in New England as there is anywhere else, including in the backcountry ski scene. Which you know, brings up the point that you guys work with big brands
0: and you're getting published in big... Big magazines, national magazines, and it's stuff that's in our backyard. Has that always been like that for you guys? I always wanted to showcase some of the stuff like your project with Maine tourism. I mean, that stuff's going to be all over there. I mean, that stuff gets shown everywhere but Maine, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. I think for me, I actually kind of. Did the, you know, I grew
2: up in Maine and that's my home and 45 minutes from the White Mountains. And so that's sort of where I cut my teeth and got my real outdoor experience. But I I left Maine and, and moved to Boston and went to school there and started my career there. And that was really cool because, you know, I kind of was able to leave home and, have a better appreciation you know for all of these awesome places here but also as I started my photography career I didn't focus primarily on New Hampshire or Maine like Squall Squall's barking out protecting there protecting the house so it's it. his job protect the <laughs> house um yeah I mean and I got to travel all these other places and I still want to do that but it's cool to leave and and you find that you're still coming back to you know to here and that, that that's sort of what matters the most so
1: yeah I'd kind of reiterate that same point that You know having opportunities to travel and ski and uh adventure elsewhere around the world it gives you know it's awesome to see these places like japan like british columbia uh utah like they all have great snow and great mountains and it's different than new england and maine where i grew up as well and uh but having the opportunity to return home and still be able to seek out adventure that's just as on par with anywhere else in the world um, has been really special. Um, and you know, over the last few years, I've kind of come to appreciate that more and through my work and finding a niche for myself, that's kind of what I've settled on is trying to do justice to my own backyard. So, uh, really fortunate to kind of be where I am today and have been able to achieve some recognition nationally and elsewhere by, um, creating work that's right here at home and, and showcasing that because there are not a lot of people doing it and that's something I take a lot of pride in. Of course, he stops. No, he's
0: not going <laughs> to. Give a couple of raps on the window for me. Squaw In the house. Well, that's, you know, you guys had um, your own thing going on. You both had your own freelance projects. Traveling all over the place. When when did Pomola Creative? How did that come come about?
1: That's a great question. Um, so Pomola Creative came about when. Well, I guess Chris and I, the first time Chris and I ever met was we hiked uh, the Bigelow Range uh, back in November of 2016 or something. We met
2: by the only way that people make friends these days, which is through Instagram DMs. Exactly. Yeah. important to
1: reference. One of us slid into the other's DMs. Yeah. We don't know how it went down, but it went down in the DMs. Yeah, it was so, mutually either way. Exactly. So we went and we climbed uh, the Bigelow Range one morning and did a sunrise adventure and we kind of just hit it off and had this collective passion for connection over um, a passion for Maine and our backyard and all the adventure here. And fast forward, we got talking and collaborating over the months and uh, eventually we came up with this project that turned out to be what is a film called Monumental, which was the first film we released under the Pomola Creative umbrella. That film was an adventure through Katahdin Woods and Waters National Monument. Uh, We did it with Kate Burgo and uh, Taylor Walker. And so we made this film and it started with this adventure and through reaching out to the brands that ultimately supported the trip and through producing and editing and just the the trip itself, uh, we all connected over this love for our backyard right in the shadow of Mount Katahdin, which is where the name Pamola originates from. Uh, And yeah, we've really gotten to... uh, yeah it was it was on that trip that we decided that we should get together collaborate and be, do something that's bigger than uh the sum of its parts
2: yeah it's like i think just off that i think we both have our own thing and we're all kind of focused on our on our art and the kind of stories that we want to tell but ultimately like it makes made the most sense to to partner up and to kind of like you said to create something that's bigger than ourselves and like You know, we have big plans for Pomola and what it means and, you know, like we want to create a platform not unsimilar to, you know, um, uh, Ski the Whites. You know, it's kind of the same same thing in a way, but we kind of want to try to, uh, you know, showcase New England um, and and, all of the outdoor activities that you can do here and why it's so special,
0: why people should come here. What was that first step? What was the first step to committing to doing like this is going to be your business? the chicken or the egg did you have the project first or was it you guys had the idea first
2: we had the idea or for well we'll, so we had the the project the monumental project first i think we probably just in passing over campfire tossed the idea of a bigger thing you know around and you know taylor walker other partner had always talked to jamie and they've known each other for a while they'd always talked about that too so it made sense and that distracted me um but yeah that first step with pomola is that's like you could do a whole hour business podcast on that and i'm sure you know the same feeling but it's that taking that that step of actually you know incorporating or you know that's whatever that step is there are multiple steps where we were like well we could just not do it and we're, everything will be fine. We'll still have our own things and we can kind of team up and collaborate from time to time. And But we kept making those small steps of incorporating them, getting from creative website and building that out and having an email account. And before you know it, we actually have like a functioning business with a bank account and we're working with companies and there's all those small steps that we kept forcing ourselves to make and even though they were scary there did take a little bit of courage all of a sudden we kind of realized we're here two years now and we actually have a, a little bit of a brand and, and even a presence um, which is really really cool
0: yeah i saw that you guys are now part of
1: the main outdoor main outdoor brands yeah so we're a member of main outdoor brands they're kind of a coalition of Maine outdoor brands in uh, the state that, uh, in a way, a lobbying group, but in a way just representing and kind of uh, allowing all of these small outdoor uh, businesses around the outdoors, um, giving them a unified voice in legislature and in trade shows, um, doing justice and promoting the outdoors in Maine. Maine has uh, the third largest outdoor uh, economy out of any, uh, by percentage, uh, in any state, I think, behind Hawaii and Montana. Um, so Maine is incredibly reliant on the outdoors and um, the recreational opportunities, the business opportunities that involve uh, involve the natural beauty of the state. So incredibly important for Maine. Uh, New Hampshire and Vermont aren't close, are pretty close behind. So uh, yeah, just in, in general, Pomola Creative has this unique fit where we want to help work with these brands and to promote the backyard that raised us because it is a huge part of what's going on here um, and deserves uh, the recognition, I think. Agree. Maine's got a lot of amazing um,
0: outdoor opportunities. Lakes, ponds, mountains, coastline, lots of coastline, islands, you name it. It's got it. Totally.
2: And opportunities to be creative and make up your own adventure that's kind of the beauty of monumental project that was sort of our first project that got everything started this that we did that three years ago and people still regularly come up to us and or reach out to us and tell us about you know how that how they enjoyed that project or they they remember it and why that was important to them I think that was mostly just because it was in Maine and that's you don't see a lot of those sort of adventure link-ups and so I think that's sort of Definitely a proof of concept for us going forward and thinking about putting more of those together. I think people really appreciate those sort of creative adventures that you just don't see here in New England that, that, you know, usually they do in Colorado or those other big adventure places.
0: Or how about you just don't see in general? There's a Maine's a big state, and there's a ton of Maine that's never like seen a page in a magazine you yeah. know that's worth that's beautiful. There's a lot of beautiful spots in Maine and so that brings me to this project you got this summer when you talk when you're talking about building out your business. This was a big project you guys got with Maine tourism. Talk about the process of pitching that or how that fell into your lap a little bit of both, I don't know. but that and then what that project is and when that's coming up, because that's a good lead in to sort of what we're doing now mm-hmm. yeah, with, totally with our winter project.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, so yeah, we uh, Pico. cat crack on the floor. Um, yeah, so we had the really awesome opportunity this summer to work with the main office of tourism and an ad agency of theirs, BVK, out of Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Wait, time out. Oh, wow. Let's
0: get Camille in there.
1: Hey, get out of here. here. Yeah, so we had an opportunity this summer to work on a project with the main office of tourism and an ad agency of theirs, BVK, out of Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Uh, basically, we pitched the main office of tourism on doing a video and photos and time lapses about the night sky in Maine. Um, again, it's one of those projects we had an original idea for and it evolved and transformed and uh before we knew it it had evolved into something totally different but equally as awesome uh and still on the same general subject uh,
2: we, we worked on that pitch an idea for what six months
1: easily yeah, yeah yeah it Maybe started we back in process. october and we yeah. didn't get a kind of follow up on it for actually we sent it to maine and maine office of tourism in january and then it wasn't until april that we heard back and they somehow you know hey we're interested we actually we saw this we've been talking about it a lot we wanted to follow up with you um so yeah before we knew it we were in talks had a contract and a deal with them to produce uh, a film that promotes the dark skies in maine the night sky so maine has a lot of the most um Unpolluted or like pristine kind of unspoiled dark skies this side of the Mississippi River. Um, and so we wanted to showcase that, the Milky Way, the Aurora, the um, constellations and just all the activities that you find yourself in at night or doing at night. And when you stop and you have that moment of just overwhelming awe and beauty where you look up and you see billions of stars and you feel really... Small and insignificant, but you feel something bigger than yourself at the same time. And that's an experience that we think is pretty unique to Maine. And um, because of all these dark places that you have along the coastline, on these lakes, Um, a lot of people that you talk to from cities or that have connections to Maine will tell you that they go outside at night and they see those stars that they can't see back in cities and suburbs. And um, so we wanted to do that whole process justice. Yeah, so
2: basically the we'll hopefully be launching that whole campaign in a few months so you know mid spring I would I would think um and I think ultimately that whole project the whole idea is to get you super inspired to spend more time outside at night and and be more observant of sort of just the awe that's there. And I think that's something that our generation are certainly starting to lose touch with a little bit, especially with more and more people living in urban areas. I still live in Boston admittedly and I can't see, you know, more than a couple of stars when I'm there. And it's, it's just incredible to think that people have been living there their whole lives and they're missing out on such an incredible, you know, thing like the night sky. Um, and just to go back, and because I think it's kind of interesting to talk about, it. it's just the process of getting this project sort of on board and making it happen. Just very similar to the Beyond Tux project. There's just the, the effort that it took. Like we we built out, you know, a really strong pitch that we thought would didn't change that much over time, but it 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 um it required like all these threads that we kept kind of probing and working through these different connections that we had, and you know, before we knew it, one in particular kind of took off. And that was sort of what led us directly to this agency, BVK. And what's cool about this project, we're really excited about is that it partnered with the bicentennial campaign for Maine, so that it turns 200 years old in April, right, or yep. March. Um
1: March, March 15th
2: and so this sort of really lines up really well with kind of telling a story about Maine and why it's so special is you know incorporating that night sky component to it and one other thing I'll add too is that we're really excited about is Camp 4 Collective who I'm, I think a lot of who are they s- no one Ski the Whites people may be familiar with their work in some capacity but you know they have Tim Kempel and on Oz Turk and Anson Fogle are the founders of Camp 4 Collective and Jimmy Chin and Jimmy Chin hangs out with those guys, probably on speed dial, but but they they shot the the primary campaign um, for the bicentennial campaign, and uh, we actually got to to hang out with them. Uh, Jamie actually got to to go on set one day with the Camp Four Collective team, and so that was a really cool experience for us to kind of really see how things how the big dogs
1: play, and and
2: you know obviously really inspiring for us, you know, going forward.
1: Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I mean, that was. I learned probably more in one day just bugging the shit out of Anson Fogel and Renan Osterk and just learning everything that they were doing and how they organized on set than I have collectively in two years running a production company. And I've learned a lot. Um So, yeah, it was a super humbling experience to be able to show these guys some of the time lapses that we had recorded, some of the footage that we have, and for them to react so positively. I mean, it was just a – it was a reinforcement of uh, that we're doing something right and that we're uh, on the right track with doing – doing this for the right reasons um and then just to the key takeaway with from
2: anton is that there's never enough fog is that correct with the scene
1: <laughs> yes absolutely just to
2: reiterate yeah
1: anson vogel definitely stresses high use of fog so machines. if
2: you're looking to make a movie make sure you have extra fog machines so that's a really key takeaway for your listeners Definitely. And one thing also I really want to point out is, like, we got to mention John uh, Secord and and Taylor Walker, who also worked on the Dark Skies Project. And those guys were just so incredible to work with. And John actually came to Jamie and I with the idea. We had talked about it um, sort of just randomly, and John was very adamant that he wanted to do it. And that sort of lit a fire under us, and we just made it happen. And so those guys are pretty amazing to have on the team as well.
1: Definitely, yeah. I just want to absolutely reiterate, shout out to John Secord, who is an absolute crusher with time lapses, and we would not have been able to get nearly as far as we did with that project without his help. So, And and Taylor Walker as well uh, was our director of photography for the video side of things and uh, was an animal. So everyone, it was just, yeah, it's a, it's a really cool experience to be able to hire your friends to do awesome projects in a place that you love. And like... Right. Above all else, like, we spent our summer under the stars in Maine. On sandy
2: beaches.
1: On mountaintops, on coastline. Yeah. It was pretty bad. pretty incredible. So, yeah, very fortunate and very lucky, and we hope to continue this momentum into this winter and beyond. John Secord slid into my DMs, and we ended up on Zealand
0: and Zealand not shooting some foliage stuff. Guy's, guy's amazing. Yeah. And he had his own time-lapse video from New Hampshire. Right. Went viral. And that's amazing. So I hope he gets something else going, like another. I'd like to see him. I know he started shooting more because he's, I mean, that's what he does really, really well. And I'm sure he enjoys it. But I'd love to see him come out with another New Hampshire time lapse one. But I'm imagining that when this main one comes out, it's going to get shared a lot. Because some. I've seen some of your footage, and it's it's phenomenal.
2: Yeah. Yeah, we may have a few other time lapse ideas. Okay. 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 So.
0: TBD. Yeah. So let's let's talk about this whole Beyond Tux project because like this was something where I was I don't know I don't even know it was so lost in the sauce about how this all started and how how we are where we are today. You guys probably have we have, you guys probably have a better memory than I do about the uh, I don't know just the creation of this. But so here we are in the farmhouse we did day one shooting and this project is something that i don't know who how it got brought to the table but it's this vision i've had of the white mountains and that through my exploration that there's all these other areas beyond tuckerman ravine and tuckerman ravine is by far the the epicenter of backcountry skiing in new england or the east coast and uh Rightfully so. We've talked about this today. We were doing some interview chatter back and forth, and it gets all the snow. It gets, um, it's gets. it got the access. It's got the steeps. Um, it's got the, the history behind it. and But it's just one spot, and the White Mountains are massive. There's all these areas, all these ranges, and we've all hiked them. Most of us have gone out and bagged a couple peaks, and you can't help but be out there and look around and think, is that skiable? Is that skiable? And in 2017, I really tackled a lot of those areas to see what was out there. And no one's really like, no one looks beyond Tuckerman Ravine. You'll see any feature on backcountry skiing in the White Mountains is all comes back to Tuckerman Ravine, and that's like doing a disservice to like our world-class terrain while like it's evident that the presidentials are where it's at and reliably get the most snow but that doesn't make them the only peaks or peaks we're showing there's other um is it, there's almost like a a value that increases when you start traveling more working working more to get to some of these locations so that's i don't know is that our is that our kind of like our goal premise i don't but there's like a whole lot more that gets tied into backcountry skiing than just let's go ski something. There's a whole community behind it. There's the history. There's
1: the mountains themselves. So, When we asked you this question earlier, why didn't you have such a perfect and concise answer? At least we have a microphone going. It's recording. <laughs> yeah, it like we're
2: going to take this audio and put it in a movie now.
1: <laughs> I'd practice. Uh, well, actually... So just to back up on that, and it got me thinking, Andrew, the point that you just made. Is there an epicenter of in backcountry skiing anywhere in the world as kind of historic, well-known, and as big as Tuckerman Ravine in New Hampshire? Like maybe the Grand Teton, but I think numbers-wise, not nearly as many people have skied the Grand Teton as they have skied Tuckerman Ravine. I like it. Might be the most like heavily traveled backcountry area in the United States. Am I wrong?
2: From a historical perspective, it, it's certainly up there, right? I mean, you can go to Europe, maybe, but yeah, really, you know, but think
0: of like everyone thinks of Chamonix as yeah. being like a spot that's heavily trafficked first. but that's like lift serve, you know? Again, yeah, that's like right. a lot of lift yeah. serve stuff. That's not the same. You like you get a bump from a tram, and then you go go places. No, you're totally right. It's it's in a way, I think in the ski community, almost gets swept under the rug a bit, and that goes back to what we're talking about, showcasing New England. You know, you guys were talking about Maine, we're talking about New Hampshire, but it all comes back to the East Coast, and that wh- why is this not getting featured more, and then when you start looking at featuring talks, why isn't, weren't you featuring the Northern Presidentials, or the? why don't you skip, keep moving along and tell the, the greater story, that all this is accessible to a really dense user group based out of New York, Boston, Portland. We get people from Philadelphia and beyond. It's it's a huge, huge user group that's coming up specifically for this region. And I think what happened was with peak bagging was everyone came to do Mount Washington, and so they made the 48 a thing. You're like, we'll have a cutoff at 4,000 feet, and now all of a sudden – people start spreading out and see all the other intricacies and, and beauty of the White Mountains.
2: Yeah, I think, and also if, on the peak bag, if you start at Owl's Head and then you go to Mount Washington, work your way up to Mount Washington, it'd probably be a lot more awesome the first time you go up there, but yeah, it be interesting. I think uh, overall, like our project, it's important to say like Tuckerman Ravine is, I think we talked about this in our interview, like uh, it's okay to say it's the best area to be in New Hampshire, like it's that we're like admitting that right like that's really important to say and once you say that it's like oh well okay but we can go there whenever we want like what else is there and sort of when you start adding in sort of the historical just significance of this area which is obviously everyone knows just how important this place is and we're all so connected to the White Mountains, um, but then really start tying that in with the seeing aspects and then the community aspect that's starting to really take hold here with the backcountry community and sort of all the things that are going on at Black Mountain, the events, the people that are, that are kind of just lining up to be a part of this movement. That's a really cool story there. And that's sort of what we're really looking to try to tell is that whole... Kind of movement that's starting to happen here um, while also hopefully getting some really awesome ski stuff and really trying to show off the white mountains
1: yeah absolutely
0: I agree Sweet. I, should, I, should, I should agree but yeah I, I yeah so the story itself I, I think it's gonna resonate because it's relatable it's sort of what people I'm I want to see is I want to see more stuff in the backyard I love scrolling through Instagram and seeing people. Skiing a line that gets me guessing. Where is that? You know, have I skied that? Do I even know where that is? And I'm seeing more of that now, which is fun. I love people sharing. You don't have to spray your stuff all over the internet. But there is a lot of um, inspiration out there from people that share, that people that people are sharing their stuff. And I don't know. People are always going to be um, very polarized, whether, you know, you're blowing up a spot. But let me tell you, like, Google Earth has blown up every spot. Spot where it's skiing—that's above treeline, or that's a ravine, a gully, a riverbed, snowfields—they're pretty obvious. So it's more about how much hustle do you have in you to get to these spots, the knowledge, the experience, and then chances are, if you meet someone else out there, you're gonna be—you're gonna have a lot in common, and that person could become your next ski partner, or you know, who knows what. But that experience, there's um, it ties back to community, and and this is like. We all love to be in the outdoors and and traveling in the mountain with skis on is probably one of the best ways to do it. Um, looking at yeah, looking at this project, this was something that last year we all kind of got caught up in our own own worlds. you know, I overextend myself with events in my ski shop. You guys were all over the map. Jamie was in like all of a sudden in Japan. <laughs> Chris is like doing Kilimanjaro or something. I don't know. Right. Like you guys were super busy with your own work. And then we also didn't have a title sponsor, which is really reflective almost of the industry, right? Like the industry doesn't really care that much about, that's the way it feels when it's always, feels that way when someone's like, ah, it's not in this year's budget. You know, we can't, yeah, here's some gear. We'd love to, you know, we'd love to help you. And it's just at some point you're like, Well, fine. Like, we're gonna we're gonna do this. You're either gonna join us or 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 not. But it's something that we want to do. It obviously, when you have someone back it, it's gonna really make things move. And I think it took that. I didn't really understand that completely, but now I see it. Like seeing you guys set up and all the production gear you guys invested in, and the time it takes. And you guys are out up at five thirty, out getting shots today. Um, You didn't have to, but you're like getting you sort of have to, and it's a lot of work to, to pull something like this off. So, um, yeah. Where do you guys see this project? Like, you know, as it developed, like, like what is, um, yeah. What, what is your vision for it in this, like the next few months here? Well,
2: yeah. So, I mean, we, we kicked it off today with a pretty solid interview today. And I think that's a really important start, just to start shaping sort of how we view, just having a general conversation and seeing like where everyone's head's at. And obviously we, we filmed it and it looks beautiful. and It'll be a great interview. We're gonna use a lot of it, I'm sure. But it gives us a really good idea of sort of how to start thinking about what we'll shoot with intention and not sort of just running around and, and just setting our cameras up everywhere and trying to shoot everything that we possibly see, but really starting to be creative and thinking about the direction that we want. The story to go and obviously you know talking with you and and all that but i think from a from like a visual standpoint which we think is really important obviously is we start to think start to actually write down the actual objectives that we're going to try to to hit which is you know not we may hit them all we may not Um, obviously a lot of factors that go into that um but then also you know we kind of have a shot list a running shot list and sort of start growing that and start planning you know like so we're going to do like a week we'll be here for a week uh straight in february and then one in march as well um where obviously we'll get out with you and if conditions allow for specific missions but then also we'll plan specific locations that we need a time lapse for whether it's a sunrise or a sunset or really cool night shot um to try to tell the story of this place you know and we that takes a lot of work um and unfortunately for well kind of goes both ways but someplace like here it's like you can't really drive up and get an epic shot it's not like a national park you know like grand canyon where you can walk to the rim and get some beautiful sunset shot like you do have to walk straight up four miles you know two to four thousand feet of vertical with 30 to 40 pounds of camera gear on just to get a good shot um so it does require a good shot right yeah and you might get skunked which does happen often so there is a lot of time required for a project like this, especially working in a place like the White Mountains where everything's just so volatile and unpredictable.
1: Yeah, seriously. I mean, home of the world's worst weather and <laughs> trying to make a film. That, and some of uh, that is important, and we will of course, purposefully yeah, yeah. go up and shoot some of that, too. Absolutely, yeah. No, I mean, that's part of the story, right? Like, the the weather here can be fickle at, at best, and... Uh, definitely unforgiving at worst so you know documenting that and doing justice to it and Andrew you made a really good point actually today in our interviews um, talking about it's just you just have to get out and go and you never know what's going to happen when you're out there and um, while we have a lot of intention with what we want to shoot and how we want to shoot it. Um, there is going to be a lot of this documentation of the process of like, yeah, we're, we're not going to know how some of these lines are going to look unless we just put them on the calendar and get out there and get after it. So, um, yeah, it's, I think it's going to be a really fun way to spend the winter. And like you, you mentioned, it's, um, we all kind of had so much going on last year and we're traveling and, uh, you were tied up with events, et cetera, et cetera. And I think this year we all are kind of in the same space, ready to go, really excited to you know, set set serious time aside. We have the, the funding needed to be able to dedicate that time and resources to those adventures and uh, then get out there and explore and, and get beyond Tux. It's, um, I think it's going to be a really cool way to, to spend a winter. And now all we can do is hope that snow and weather and conditions align when we want to get after it. And if not, we'll try again another time this year and move our schedules around and that that's the nature of being an adventure sports filmmaker yeah, it'll shape the narrative to some extent. I mean,
2: kind of what happens winter-wise will shape the narrative of the story. To, to, you know, to some that it may change a little bit, and that could for, be for better or worse. But I think ultimately it would be a really interesting story because there's there's so much here um, that no matter how you know some of these lines shape up, the skiable terrain shapes up, it's still going to be a really really cool project and a really really cool story, which I think gives us a lot of a lot of confidence, and we're you know really excited about.
1: Yeah. And I feel like at the end of the winter, we're, we're going to feel like we all of us are going to collectively feel as if we just scratched the surface as to what's possible, what we want this piece to be. But it's a start. And I think that's the most exciting part of it is, uh, you know, hopefully just having something at the end of the winter that showcases this area to people and inspires others to come and visit and get get out beyond talks.
0: And that's how I feel about these podcast interviews, because each of like individually you have a you each have your own stories worth diving into. And then collectively you've got your thing going on. We've got this project going on and just quickly touching on the project is I think the number one draw is going to be this relatable, this these relatable experiences from the Northeast that we can all access. And I hope that people get inspired and see it and they want to go out and ski and try backcountry or, or just look beyond the beaten path or get off the beaten path. And then, um, the other thing was, was yeah these windows that you got to give yourself and get out there and and the thing is no matter what we're going to be skiing in May. I don't care. Like we'll be it can be the worst winter ever, but May we'll be skiing, the weather patterns will ease up a bit and we'll get some great spring skiing and people just need to understand that you're not always going to get the the best of the best, but sometimes you do and then sometimes you got to be patient and hopefully it
1: uh yeah it pays off. So it's very east coast of you to say that, but I love it cuz that's true. I mean, that's what it takes here. Well, and the one other thing is that what we were like to
0: really hammer down on is that we're making something that's not just going to be sexy for east coast. I want this to be universally appealing. And and it, it it should be. It's it's we've got world-class terrain really like weather like no other that's incredibly like I don't know. I think visually stunning that makes some of the most wild cloud formations, weather patterns. I mean, yeah, there's stuff that I think is really going to draw the attention of other, not only other skiers, but just outdoor enthusiasts to sort of share what we have here and why it's so special. And hopefully everyone can relate to their home mountains and appreciate them the same way that we appreciate the white mountain. Yeah. So crack that beer yeah cheers boys um jamie's picking up a, a Sufferfest repeat what is that it is the Sufferfest repeat yeah we got a, a, a huge thank you to pat Hazlitt who um tr- you know he has faith in us he he thinks that we got a good thing going and he really wants us to succeed and so he he works for sierra nevada the beer company he's the Northeast Territory guy, but uh, Sierra Nevada picked up, they purchased Sufferfest, which is out of the Pacific Northwest, another beer company that really thrives on the outdoors and athletes and um, really supportive of what we're trying to do here. So it's a little half and half, but um, on, you know, Sierra supporting it, Sufferfest doesn't really matter. The fact is, we got a brand behind us. And one other shout out goes to good to go Justin at good to go He's also been um, very supportive of this from the get go. He's just sort of waiting for things to, to pick up. And, and we were too, we're like, well, I know the, that company good to go out of Maine is, is growing at a rapid rate. They do not exactly have the same fund funding abilities that Sierra Nevada does, but he's always been like, if you need anything, just let me know. So big thank you to, to them as well. It's not like everyone's kind of dismissed us, but some of those people that have, it's like, you know, that's important. We see that, um yeah, that's, that's one thing that you just never forget those people that say yes. And you never forget the people that say no. (laughs) So (laughs) I don't know, on these projects, it's, you gotta let, you gotta let stuff just roll off the shoulder sometimes. But, um, yeah, we got an early morning ahead of us. Um, where can people find you guys for more info besides? Yeah. I'm at, uh, Chris M Shane
2: and, uh, also Pomola creative at Pomola creative as well.
1: Yep, and I'm at JWalter1337 on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Cool. Well, I'll be sure to
0: share share all your stunning imagery. Take a deep dive. I mean, it's amazing stuff these guys have really found their niche and worked very hard to produce some of these images that that they share. So, thank you guys for taking on this project. It's really fun for me because I've always just been in, I've always just had my own style of shooting video and I got bored of it and bring on someone else to help with the storytelling and and take it in a direction of that i might not see when i'm in my own head to just kind of step back i think we're going to produce something really special so thank you guys
1: thank you for having us man and yeah really looking forward to how the next few months pan out here we go cheers boys
0: cheers cheers all right
1: thanks guys